0: Live at night with Smash Africa 6-10pm to 10 PM, Monday to Thursday Exclusive to 5FM Right about now, we're going to talk about Eating habits during lockdown With a focus on uh, food addiction Now, <clears throat> many have developed new eating patterns uh, Some are eating more than usual Others are eating less And uh, with eating most are not necessarily eating the good stuff so experts have warned that there's a lot of stress eating happening at this time and this could eventually lead to food addiction and eating disorders how have uh, your eating patterns changed during lockdown let me know on the 5fm whatsapp line zero eight two double five zero five one five one how have your eating patterns changed during this lockdown. Let me just um, let you know exactly how my eating patterns have changed in just the past week. Um, my oven and stove, broken. For the most part, right, I've been eating takeout. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. But it's not also my reality. Tomorrow a technician will come and fix my stove. I know I'll be cooking. Now, with others... You know, a sense of stopping and saying, "Wait, there's something wrong that I'm doing here." Not a lot of us have that ability, you know. Now we are joined by a clinical psychologist, Marita, from uh, to chat about food addiction and how you can make sure that you are not eating because you're addicted to food. All right, Marita, welcome to Live Hi. at Night. How are well, you I this thank evening? You so much. can you hear me marita
1: hi good evening yes i can hear you
0: all right thank you so much uh, for joining us this evening now the first thing what is food addiction and as i was talking and thinking like could i be addicted to eating (laughs) or develop a eating disorder how does food addiction come into play with eating disorders
1: Well, look, Smudge, right now, the whole idea behind food addiction is actually quite controversial because, in a sense, it exists, but it also technically does not exist. Now, by that, I'm referring to the fact that food addiction, as we hear a lot about it in popular culture, is actually not formally recognized by a big part of the mental health community just yet. So on a very practical basis, that means it is not part of the DSM. Now, the DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for mental disorders, So that's basically the handbook that every psychologist and psychiatrist all over the world uses to determine whether someone has a formal diagnosis or not. So things like alcohol and drug addiction are in this manual. However, currently food addiction is not. So just because it's not currently in there formally, it's important to say it doesn't mean it doesn't exist or it isn't really serious because there are thousands of people out there who do struggle with food addiction, and there's also quite a lot of treatment for it available. And I think because of that, there is currently a lot of research going into formalizing it a bit more and getting it taken up in the DSM, which I personally estimate will happen in the next few years. So now that we kind of got the technicalities out of the way, let me give you guys- But people have ins- been
0: eating for so long.
1: <laughs> and, I know, right? Yes. <laughs> like, why must we wait? <laughs> we know it exists. <laughs> Yeah, so that That is the very good thing about this mental health community, the fact that this list of uh, mental health disorders and their symptoms are being constantly updated. Because as times change, people's needs changed, what people present with change. So it's just a very technical thing right now. And the reason why I brought that up is because because it's not technically recognized, there isn't this systematic checklist that I can take you guys through, to tell you exactly this is what you need to meet the requirements. But if I do tell you guys on more kind of like a pop psychology, more down-to-earth practical thing, what it means is that food addiction functions very, very similar to any other kind of addiction, with it having a mechanism around disrupted control around a substance. In this case, very specifically, a substance is food. And I was really glad that you mentioned earlier about eating disorders, because as much as we say that um, food addiction functions in the similar way to any other addiction, it actually relates very closely to a lot of the eating disorders that are, in fact, recognized and in the DSM. So these are things like uh, bulimia, anorexia, binge eating, and some people might actually be surprised to hear that because when we normally talk about food addiction, people think about eating too much, right? But Mm -hmm. because there's this whole mechanism around control, for a lot of people, control around eating means, in fact, not eating and restricting their intake. But, okay, let's not get too much into that. Let's stick with the more traditional sense of, okay, people are eating too much. So if we wanted to find um, food addiction in terms of that, we see that there's a disruption in eating patterns. So we see a lot of energy being spent around the food or eating, getting hold of our food. We spend a lot of time on thinking about food. There's a lot of cravings. And there's also a lot of energy put into trying to control this. Um, this is again something we see a lot with, um, let's say, people who struggle with alcohol addiction. You know, bargaining with yourself: if I get through this day, I can have a chocolate. You know, that that reward. And then also, when people do buckle and eat the foods they don't want to, there's a lot of guilt that goes with that. And also, specifically, food we often see around food addiction are foods of the people consume with who struggle with food addiction. It's food high in sugar, high in fat and high in salt. So those are basically your junk foods. And the reason why that happens is because just like any other addiction, there's such a massive biological aspect to food addiction. And foods that are high in those three compounds give us a massive chemical reward. Because just like taking drugs, dopamine is released in the brain when we take these specific food types. And that's what gives us that feel good factor. Mm -hmm. You know, That's what takes us back into that cycle. You know, we feel bad, we feel guilty, we end up eating, and that makes us feel better. But in a little while, something else upsets us, there's this emotional trigger perhaps, and it becomes this massive cycle. I will, and the last thing I would say in terms of defining food addiction is, like any other addiction, a big thing to look out for is when it starts disrupting our daily life. Now, a lot of people have very out there eating habits, but... the second it becomes disruptive to our normal patterns and we have negative consequences that's generally as a clinician when i would start getting worried
0: Hmm. marissa like you've gone through so much like (laughs) and and i'm like but this is like normal like you eat a packet of chips all by yourself like the big ones (laughs) you finish (laughs) every night (laughs) on a daily And when I think about how I was brought up, the best way to treat that situation, get rid of those snacks. Don't buy those snacks. But I know, like, as much as control, which you mentioned, I might be in control, but the other person or the next person is not as in control as I am. Let's talk about the ways to treat these symptoms that you've alluded to that could potentially lead to having an eating disorder, which comes like full circle and ties in with food addiction in this situation. How can people treat the symptoms that they are seeing that you spoke of or touched on just
1: now? So look, um, in terms of formal treatment, there is actually quite a lot of help out there available. Um, Like I said earlier, when you are getting into that space where your daily life is being disrupted about this, or through this, I would definitely say reach out. We have amazing clinicians in our country that can offer amazing help. You know, there's a lot of formal treatment. Um, You can literally go to a rehab the same way you would if you had any other addiction and work at the program there. You can see individual therapists. Um, A very popular mode of treating, especially food addiction, is what we call CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, where we actually go in and have a look at What is going on? How is your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors linked? Because a lot of this eating, or actually any kind of addiction, has triggers. And very often, these are emotional triggers. So we go in, we explore what's happening. And interestingly enough, another very popular treatment is actually like a proper 12-step program, like you would Mm -hmm. use for either alcohol addiction or drug addiction. Um, Another form of treatment some people might consider is actually um, psychiatric medication, that's, I think, less popular in our country, but it's definitely something that can help, especially when you're going through the therapeutic process. But I would say on a formal level, that's very often what we're looking at. Oh,
0: dude, like, you know, saying that there's so much help out there for South Africans, um, I'm not going to like, it has come as a surprise, because this is also another conversation that we have. It's like, hey, do you know someone who's addicted to food or who has a food addiction? But we might know someone with an eating disorder. Now, when it mm. comes to eating, right, there's this thing called emotional eating. Yes. Yeah. And emotional eating could be because you are happy, because you are sad. I mean, it's everywhere. You can't just box it in one thing. Can yeah. emotional eating lead one into being addicted to food? Or an Mm. eating disorder? Because, like, I want to tie those two closely because it seems like they're brother and sister. Food addiction and eating disorder.
1: Yeah, look, it's one of those really complicated questions where I guess the, the simple answer is, yes, ultimately a lot of continued persistent emotional eating definitely could lead to food addiction. However, oh, I think it's really important to say just because you're an emotional eater, it does not mean you have a food addiction. I really want mm-hmm. us to make a very clear, um, line between those because like you say, you know, they're brother and sister, but they're not quite the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I would say emotional eating, at least in, in my perception, is way more about the coping mechanism. It's probably one of the most common coping mechanisms, especially in the world we're dealing with right now. So why I say it's a coping mechanism is the fact that we have a behavior. That leads to a very specific emotional payoff. In this case, it's eating. You know, like you say, even if you're happy, you know, you eat and there's a certain emotional payoff. It's it's soothing. It's that stimulation of the good hormones. And I think it's probably one of the earliest coping mechanisms we ever get to do with. And the reason why I say that is, um, if we look at babies, ask any parent out there. You know, when your baby is screaming blue murder, you check two things. You check for a dirty diaper, and you check if they're hungry. So from as early as that, we have this connection between feeding, taking something in, and being soothed. So I think especially in such an uncertain world right now, there is a massive link between us eating more, perhaps more than usual as well, just for a sense of soothing because so many things might feel out of our control right now. And that's probably one of the most base things we're used to making us feel a little bit better
0: and with that like how do we leave them with a springboard that's going to leave them better it's business unusual if you like it's 46 Mm -hmm. days of national lockdown i'm going through the most this reality i i I haven't accepted it food has become my comfort thing or my Mm go-to thing how can people make sure that they don't emotionally eat during this time
1: quite honestly i would say emotional eating right now is perhaps not the worst thing in the world and i say that very carefully um of course we want people to be as happy and healthy as possible but Mm -hmm. in the bigger picture emotional eating as a coping mechanism right now i think quite honestly is one of the the safer ones out there because Mm -hmm. if you look at it On a larger scale, you know, we are literally living through a pandemic. If you get out of this with your biggest drawback being having gained three or five kgs, I think we can consider ourselves lucky. But like I said, I'm saying this within reason. Um, I would say some of the best ways to kind of keep this in check, because that's ultimately where problems start. You know, once things start getting out of control. I would say staying on top of your eating patterns is probably the the biggest thing you can do. Getting to know yourself. Because like we said, you know, we can take this whole idea of CBT and formal therapy and bring it into the home. But something as simple as getting to know yourself, getting to know your emotional states. The quickest thing you can do is trying to pay attention. When you all of a sudden have this mad craving for something very specific, figure out what's going on. Did I maybe just have an argument with my partner? You know, are the kids driving me up the wall? What is the emotion that goes along with this? Because like we saw, you know, there's such a big feed-off between eating something and getting a payoff. What emotion am I trying to get rid of right now or even just trying to get over? And, you know, once you start recognizing these things, you can start putting in measures to keep yourself on track. And I would say the biggest thing in terms of that is finding other coping mechanisms. Like we spoke about, emotional eating is a coping mechanism. And as much as I said it's not the worst one out there, I think as soon as it becomes your only coping mechanism, that's an issue. And that's an issue even if it's something really healthy like exercising. If exercising is your only way to cope, I would be concerned about that. So try new stuff, you know. Walk around, even if it's just in your dining room, you know. Put music on, dance to a song, just do something different to try and cope. I think in this time, another really good thing to do is add structure into your life. You know, even if you don't have a job to do, don't stay up till three in the morning. You're going to feel gross eventually, you know, try and introduce as much structure as you can into your life. And also a okay. lot of the this, this, <laughs> dysfunction eating we're seeing is because we're so out of control in other ways right now. So I think Marissa, another really valuable thing is just doing other things you can control.
0: Marissa, thank you for the big facts. Thank you for the chat. I appreciate it. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but we've touched every question we had for you, and hopefully, those listening will feel empowered.
1: Amazing! Thank you so much, and stay healthy out there, guys.
0: Live at night with Smash Africa, Usser! six to ten PM Monday to Thursday, exclusive to Five FM.